I used to be good at math, believe it or not. I used to tell people it was my favorite subject, in fact, until I took calculus. I found calculus to be so punishingly boring, the purpose so opaque, and candidly, Ms. Simmons to be so all-around terrifying that that class, I think, single-handedly ruined my love for math and ended up, in fact, being the last math class I would ever take in my life. I didn't think that I could hate math anymore until COVID math entered my life. You know what I mean. I mean Googling what is a positivity rate? What does R naught mean? Omicron is how much more transmissible than Delta, which was how much more transmissible than what I've come to call COVID classic? And how is it that hospitalization rates differ between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? And what if you start taking age into account? And how many minutes and what kind of setting with which variant counts as a meaningful exposure? And then how long do I have to wait to get tested? And how many days must I isolate in my bedroom while my mom slides bagel bites under my bedroom door? I'm so sick of doing COVID math. I'm sure you are too. I used to like math for what I presume to be the reason that most people do. The clear and unambiguous black and white of it all. That it either adds up or it doesn't. It's true or it's false. Math is clean. Living in a world that can often feel overwhelmingly complex and confusing, numbers can provide us a sense of security even comfort. A single math problem is a universe unto itself, and it's one that at least makes sense. Which I think explains what has motivated me, and I suspect many of us, to keep up with all the COVID math more than I ever managed to do with calculus. How many of you have the Austin Public Health COVID tracker bookmarked in your web browser? It's not exactly comforting to look at that every day or every week, but it does give one a semblance of security. It provides guardrails to our ever-evolving reality. Those numbers help us assess risk, help us make decisions. Numbers give us building blocks for making meaning out of the world. They give us at least some small sense of control in a society that appears all the more to be rapidly spinning out of it. Which is all to say, all this COVID math made me read the Christmas story a little differently this year. Made me notice different things. Notice, for example, the very first line in Luke's telling. It says, in those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all should be registered. The Christmas story begins with the most powerful person in the ancient world doing what? Asking for some numbers. Asserting and defining the contours of his control. You can almost imagine Augustus lying in bed at night knowing he is the most powerful person in the world, but wondering to himself, just how powerful am I? I'd like some data on that. Quirinius. Can you go run some numbers for me? 
Precisely how many thousands or millions owe loyalty to me? How precisely much tax must I charge per capita in order to have enough to build my beautiful Colosseum? With a snap of his fingers, he can put the entire ancient population on horseback or donkey back to their ancestral hometowns. The emperor has all the numbers, all the internet dashboards he could ever want or imagine at his disposal. That is power. That is control. But of course, the emperor is not in control when it comes to Christmas. All the numbers in the world might make it look like he is in control, but the Christmas story is proof that those who do the counting aren't always the ones who move history. The numbers do lie sometimes. While the page one headline of the day was without a doubt the sudden and mass migration mandated by the emperor, we know there was something else that happened late in the night that would change the world forever. Something that would reverberate throughout history so loudly that millions of people across the globe would gather once a year for thousands of years on end to celebrate and remember the baby who was born in Bethlehem. To bear witness to what on that first Christmas no one else was there to see but two newly married, tired, temporarily homeless Palestinian Jews and a few assorted livestock. We gather to remember that God is sometimes changing everything in places where nobody is looking. Numbers never tell the whole story. That's the first thing the Christmas story is about. Numbers can be helpful, don't get me wrong, especially when facing an unprecedented public health crisis. We should be thankful for scientists and doctors and other experts who are working hard behind the scenes to do the difficult math so that we can make good and well-informed decisions in a confusing world. But it is still the case that numbers do not tell the whole story. And numbers can almost never tell the parts of the story that matter most. They can never get to the heart of things. I'm reminded of the New York Times front page from May 24th, 2020. That day that we surpassed 100,000 deaths in America from covid on that day, the editors decided that for the first time in over 40 years, they would print a front page without a single image or graphic. Instead, they printed names, ages, and hometowns of those who died, occasionally including five to seven word obituaries. Just a small way of saying that these deaths are not just numbers, not just data points. They are people who were known and loved. 
The numbers never tell the whole story. The numbers don't tell the whole story of your life. You cannot be reduced to your age. You are not your age. You are not your salary. You are not how much money you have saved in the bank. You are not your weight. You are not what you do for a living. You are not your last name and whatever that connotes. You are not who you are on social media. You are not your failures. You are not your addictions or your regrets. You are what Mary saw looking back at her from the manger. An infinitely complex, inexhaustibly mysterious, and uniquely beautiful human being. This is the second thing the Christmas story is about. Humanity is where God chose to make his presence fully and finally known in the world. It didn't have to be that way. God could have stayed in heaven and still figured out a way to save the world. God could have come as some unkillable Marvel superhero. But that's not how God did it. This is how God did it. This is the heart of the matter that no number can quantify, that God becomes human in flesh and blood. God makes himself vulnerable, vulnerable to us. God makes himself fragile, a baby able to be held to one's chest, able to be wrapped in bands of cloth, able to grow and learn and read and write and run, able to be misunderstood, to be hated and to be killed. God in Christ inhabits the same fragility that you feel deep down inside your bones. God inhabits the same existential dread, the same anxious mind, the same mortal and broken body. God takes on flesh, your flesh, your feeling, your fear, And because he is not only human, but also God, Christ in his body, through his incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection, creates a space and a path for all humanity to have life. For all and each of us to flourish and live forever. This is how we are saved. This is the shape of salvation. God sends God's self to us, to our very core, to our deepest heart of hearts, and brings us back to himself. To dwell in a place where there is no death, where pain and suffering are no more, where glory is transformed unto glory forever and ever. Jesus is God stretching out his hand towards us and offering us rescue. Caesar wanted to be in control, and so do we. In this wild moment of history we're currently living in, who can really blame us 
for wanting a little control. But the thing is, this tendency of ours isn't new with COVID. We do it all the time in our normal lives. And the truth is, perhaps a difficult truth to hear, is that in the end, we have very little control over what happens to us in our life. If the last couple years haven't taught us that, I'm afraid we haven't really been paying attention. We can read the numbers out there, we can read the COVID dashboards, and we can choose not to be stupid. Absolutely. Numbers can be helpful. But beyond that, we cannot comprehensively protect ourselves or those we love. And even if we do successfully protect ourselves from COVID, which I believe is definitely worth trying, even if we are successful in that, none of us can ultimately be protected from death. Numbers can be helpful. But they can also be the shields that we use to deflect away inevitable and difficult truths. Like the truth that we're not really in control of our own lives. The conventional way to end this sermon would be to remind you that even though we are not in control, that God is in control. And so everybody just calm down. And while it is true that God is in control in an ultimate sense. That God promises that things will turn out right in the very end. God makes no promises that things will not be extremely difficult in the meantime. Plus, God being in ultimate control in the end is not what Christmas is all about. The miracle of Christmas is not that God is in ultimate control. The miracle of Christmas is that God in Christ enters into our circumstance of not being in control and experiences it with us from the inside out. That God in Christ suffers the accidents and the rioting viruses of history alongside us. That God feels our wounds. And then from that place, from that vulnerability, from that ultimate vulnerability unto death, from that place brings us with him into eternal victory. From that vulnerability then takes us and puts us on his shoulders and brings us to paradise. That is what Christmas is all about. So Merry Christmas. Amen.